just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope all is going well with you. I uh, had a pretty interesting day today. Very, I don't know, eye-opening day today. I went to a funeral for a gentleman I did not know. He is the grandfather of a relative by marriage, and I went in respect to that relative. And um, I find out that this gentleman was 91 years old. He led a very eclectic life, very successful life. Um, he was a veteran from the Korean War, and he was part of something that uh, became very notable, actually became a movie. Um, he was on a ship, and this group of soldiers found this abandoned baby in Korea. Uh, it was orphaned. It was in an ash can or on a on a steps or something like that, and this young baby would have died if left behind. And the servicemen brought it with them on the ship, took care of the baby, and uh, brought it back to the States, went through all kinds of uh, machinations in order to get this baby into the country. And it's a very intriguing story. In fact, there was a TV movie about it called A Thousand Men and a Baby. Um, well, this gentleman was part of that group, and uh, one of the people you saw in the news articles holding the baby and such. Beyond that, he was married for 65 years. His wife had died 10 years prior. Um, he did a lot of things in the world of business. As I say, he's very eclectic. Uh, he was one of these guys that always laughed and smiled and told jokes. Uh, every time he saw somebody, he was either singing, playing music, joking with them. And he was always a pleasure to be around when he came around. And as I was sitting there at this funeral, I realized, you know, I don't know this man, but I'm hearing what people say about him at this funeral. And I read his biography, which was very interesting because he was successful in life and business. Um, he had a lot of nice things. He's done well. He had a nice big family. Everybody loved this guy. And what it reminded me of is thoughts I've had in the past when you think about life. You know, people in life strive very hard to gain position in jobs, in religion, in clubs, whatever. It's important for them to attain a certain height to show that they're successful, to show others that they're successful. They also strive to get material things, get the big house, the nice car, the nice clothes, so everybody knows you're successful. We spend a lot of time all our lives accumulating achievements and materials, and it's very important to us. But what I've always realized, I noticed when my grandfather died, I said, you know, when it really comes down to it, when you're on your last day, in the last moments of your life, the only thing you really have are your memories, your legacy, what kind of imprint 
you put on the people in your life? How will you be remembered? How did you make people feel? Now, this gentleman, as much as he was successful, uh, everybody I spoke to about him had a positive thing to say, and they felt like they were better off because they knew him or were related to him. And that's the point. You know, with all these things we do all our life, we gain a bunch of material things. We got the toys. We got the house. We got all that stuff. But on that last day when you die, all that stuff is little more than a big garage sale because it all goes away. It didn't matter. As much as it, we thought it mattered while we had it, that moment in time changes everything. None of that matters. But the memories that gentleman or any other gentleman or woman creates in their life, that's all they hold on to at that last moment. What's important is their legacy and how they impacted others. And it reminds me not to worry so much about all the peripheral things going on, but focus on how you treat people, how you handle your family, what kind of memories you create. Now, when my children were younger, I made it a point that we went on a trip every year because trips were fun for us. We'd go to a different place. We'd give our kids life experiences by taking them to New York, San Francisco, El Paso, whatever. We wanted them to see different places. So when they grew up, they had some life experiences to work from. But the most wonderful thing about that is no matter what happens to me, no matter if I have good prospects, bad prospects, good luck, bad luck. On my last day, I have all those trips, all those memories, and I share them with each member of my immediate family. And those will be there forever. In fact, they'll be there after I'm gone. My car, my house won't be. And it just reminded me when I sat and listen to this funeral, people talking about this guy, as much as he may have gained some success in business or whatever, he really won life. He did what he needed to do. He left a legacy. He left an imprint on people. And I think that's what we all need to focus on. Stop focusing on the stupid shit. Focus on life, love, experiences, memories, and those sorts of things. And then we will have one life when our last day comes. All right, let's talk about some news and what's going on in this country. Of course, we were talking about the prospect of Paul Gosar being censured by the uh, House of Representatives. Well, that vote took place today. And in fact, the U.S. House of Representatives voted to censure Representative Paul Gosar. And what he did was, you'll remember, he posted on Instagram or Twitter or both an anime meme that he photoshopped, and it had him killing AOC and attacking President Biden. <laughs> I mean, it's childish in the first place, but uh, you just don't do that. I mean, I think if you elect a congressman, you would hope they'd be mature enough not to do that sort of thing and not that angry to incite violence. Because let's be perfectly honest with you, when politicians start 
spewing things about violence, it trickles down to the general public. We know that's true with the insurrection and all the things that Donald Trump said. But this Paul Gosar insisted on doing this. Well, he got a lot of backlash for it. And, of course, he explained it away by saying, well, it's just symbolic and uh, it's just a joke. (laughs) Yeah, Paul, not a joke. Not a joke when he threatened the president of the United States and a sitting member of Congress. That is not a joke, especially when you are a member of Congress. Now, what the censure means to him is that he, you know, gets reprimanded in front of public, which is not a big deal because he's an idiot and uh, he doesn't care. He'll just say it never happened or whatever. But more importantly, he was stripped of his committee appointments. Now, you remember Marjorie Taylor Greene was stripped of her appointments to buy Kevin McCarthy after she did some stupid shit. Um, And now Marjorie Taylor Greene has really no power at all. She's uh, in office. She can vote, of course, but she's on no committees and really can't do anything for her community. Now we have Paul Gosar in the very same position. Now, I said the other day that uh, he's a narcissistic, sociopathic, uh, pathological liar. And when you're dealing with a narcissist and you embarrass them, that is the absolute worst thing you could do. And usually when you embarrass them and there's no way out, they lose their shit. They do crazy things. And I thought that might happen with Paul Gosar. Well, technically that didn't happen. But here's something interesting. Right after that vote was taken and he was officially censured, he took that meme that got him in all the trouble and then put it back out on Twitter. That just shows how little respect he has for Congress, for America, and the people of this country. Now, if you ever watch Paul Gosar, you know there's something wrong with this piece of shit because the way he talks is so rambling and goes off on tangents. You really can't keep track of what he's saying. His head bobs around like he's a boxer in a Mike Tyson fight. There's something mentally or emotionally wrong with this guy. Now, the thing that disturbed me the most about this vote, 223 people voted to censure Paul Gosar. There were only two Republicans, Adam Kinzinger, Liz Cheney. Obvious choices. They're on the House Select Committee anyway. But 207 Republicans voted against censoring him. In fact, some of them stood up and said, uh, you know, this is uncalled for. This is censorship. You, you, you're stopping a congressman from speaking his mind. For whatever reason, they couldn't own up to the fact that this was just flat out wrong, regardless of who did it. There were some Democrats that said, hey, if a Democrat did this, we would censure him or her, which is the way it should be. But the Republicans refused to acknowledge that. Now, what's interesting, when you talk to people who know the inside track of the Republicans, the behind the scenes, I'm hearing that uh, many people think Gosar's losing it. He's crazy. These are Republicans, but they don't have the courage to step up and say it in public. Either they're afraid of Donald Trump, they're afraid of his base, or they're just afraid of the Republican Party. 
So in their minds, they know this Paul Gozar is or is a um, loose cannon, a nutcase, and a danger to this country. But they don't have the courage. They are cowards to step up and say it. They're worried about their standing and their elections and their power and everything like that. Now, the Republican Party screamed and yelled about Paul Gozar getting his committee assignments taken away from him. But at the same time, they have 13 Republican members of the House that voted for the bipartisan bill, the infrastructure bill, and all the Republicans are mad at them, making death threats, terroristic threats, threatening to take their committee assignments away from them. Well, go ahead and do it. Now you're going to have those 13, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gosar, 15 members of the House of Representatives in the Republican Party that have no committee assignments. How fucking stupid is that? You're going to take committee assignments away from the 13 that voted for a bipartisan infrastructure bill, and you're going to give your whole party a lot less power, a lot less impact on on what happens in Congress just because you're mad at the Democrats. You don't want the Democrats to win. Talk about cutting off your nose to spite your face. It's fucking amazing to me that that would even be considered. That's got to be the stupidest thing I have ever fucking heard. My God. So we'll see what happens further with Paul Gozar, but it's said and done. He is censured. He's taken off his committees. And I wouldn't be surprised if he did some crazy shit. Because while he wasn't expelled, he was punished, but he's still there. So now what does he have to lose to do crazy shit? Nothing. In fact, as I said, he retweeted the very meme that got him in trouble in the first place after he was censured. He put it back out on Twitter. This guy has no respect for Congress or the leaders in Congress or the the country at all or the people in the country. He's a fucking nutcase. Now, he represents Arizona. If I live in Arizona and I see this guy, I'm going to do everything I can to get him out of there. Because he's an embarrassment to the country and an embarrassment to the state. Not to mention, he's a fucking danger. All right, let's let's talk about one other thing. QAnon Shaman. Shaman. You know who he is? Yep, he was at the insurrection. He was that clown with the helmet with the horns on it. The tattoos, the crazy fucking outfit and screaming the unbelievably stupid and ridiculous conspiracy theories. I mean, this guy is certifiably a fucking nutcase. He is. He's even admitted he is. But he was part of the insurrection. He was kind of the face of the insurrection. Well, he was sentenced to 41 months in prison for his activities on January 6th at the U.S. Capitol. Now, He's all upset about this. See, here's the funny thing. When he was at the Capitol on January 6th, very confident, very cocky. He knew what the hell was up. But when he was arrested, it all seemed to change around a little bit. 
You see, he was crying and whining and saying, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know what I was doing. I got caught up in it. I, I, I'm, I'm emotionally unstable. I need organic food. It's funny how things change when you're confronted with accountability or consequences for the shit you do. You're not sorry about what you did. You're sorry about being fucking caught. It's as simple as that. Now, he's going to jail for 41 months. What's interesting is the guy just before him was also sentenced to 41 months, except this guy punched a U.S. Capitol Police officer. It was on videotape. You couldn't deny it because it showed him doing it. He uh, pled out. He got 41 months. He got time off for time he's already spent in jail since January. The maximum penalty could have been 51 months, so he got 41 total months. Same could be said for the QAnon shaman. He got 41 months, could have gotten as much as 51 months. So now there's a lot of people who have been watching these trials with these insurrectionists, and they've been screaming about how short the sentences are. But what you need to understand is that they're starting off with the low-level crimes, the nonviolent crimes, and those don't justify long jail terms. As much as we'd like to have that happen, the guidelines just don't allow that kind of time or a long period of time for the minor infractions. Now, that said, with the QAnon shaman and the guy before, now we're seeing 41-month sentences. We're now getting to the more serious crimes. We're getting to some of the violent crimes. And you're going to see the longer sentences. And you're going to see even longer sentences than 41 months. So now things are going to start kicking in. And these people that thought they would be saved by Donald Trump with a pardon, they're going to come to a reality that they're going to fucking prison for a long time. And hopefully this will be something that stops future idiots from doing the same thing. I doubt it. I doubt it. These people don't pay attention to the truth. They only listen to what Fox News, OAN, and Newsmax tell them, and Donald Trump, of course. And... Uh, They'll fucking do it again just because they're idiots. And that's the troubling thing. This country can't afford to have another insurrection because next time the people might be smarter, maybe better organized, and maybe they will pull it off. And then that changes the whole whole uh, scheme of what we have here in this country. It's uh, ridiculous. It's it's frightening, to, 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 to be perfectly honest with you, and um, people are out there still claiming to be waiting for a civil war and waiting to fight for their right to take over this country. You know, it's funny, while this was going on with Paul Gosar, we had a lot of Republicans bitching about Paul Gosar being censored. As I said, 207 people voted not to censor him. And, of course, dipshit Lauren Boebert stepped up and she said, Okay, you want to talk about bad stuff? What about uh, uh, Omar from the Jihad Squad? Now, just saying that in its own right is disrespectful and uh, criteria for maybe being censured herself. But she's too stupid, too arrogant to know that 
she can be taken down is probably going to be taken down. Now, you might remember there were some problems with the elections in Colorado, that uh, one official let other people see things they shouldn't be able to see. Well, there were a number of raids by the FBI, by officials, election officials in Colorado. And interestingly enough, one of those happened to be the uh, campaign director for Lauren, Lauren Boebert. So it's going to be interesting to see what they find when they've raided these homes. This may reflect back on Lauren Boebert at some point and cause a few problems. We don't know the facts of it. We know kind of what it was about because there were a lot of problems in Colorado. But we don't know the specifics yet. So it'll be interesting to watch and see how this all plays out. Lauren Boebert is an absolute idiot. She's incompetent. She is a racist, a misogynist, and a uh, anti-Semite. She's an insurrectionist. I think we'll find that she was part and parcel to the whole planning effort. You see, that's the thing. Um, Paul Gosar is likely to be one of those people that were involved in the planning. And that's yet another thing that's going to come out from the House Select Committee. Paul Gosar knows that. Lauren Boebert knows that. Josh Hawley knows that. This is all still coming. This is just piled on top of it, this censure. This is an accessory to all the other shit that's coming down on these people. They know they're in trouble. And when people like this get in trouble, they get crazy. When you're backed in a corner and you have nowhere to turn, you can afford to be crazy. And this is something we've got to watch out for with these people. As the pressure becomes harder and deeper on them, we could see more crazy reactions by them. So we have to keep a close eye on who they are, what they are, and what they're doing, because they are, in fact, dangerous people. All right, let's take a break. We'll be right back. So the Kyle Rittenhouse trial has now been sent to the jury to to deliberate on, and that's what they're doing. They have been for the last two, three days. They're deliberating on it. And uh, they're asking to look at videos and such. And there were all kinds of problems with videos and quality of videos and how the defense team got a lesser quality video. And it's all a bunch of bullshit. It's all a bunch of noise to make it more difficult. But there's something very serious going on with the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. And uh, it could be a big problem. Earlier in the trial, you know, the prosecution said some things that upset the judge, who's a fucking nutcase in his own right. And, of course, because he was upset about it, the defense stuck their nose into it. So they filed a motion for a mistrial with prejudice. Now, a normal mistrial, what that means is they stop the trial, they go back, start over, and do it over again. However... A mistrial with prejudice is a much different situation. The trial stops, but they cannot start a new trial. It's done. And because of double jeopardy, you can't try them again. So that's a problem. Now, the interesting thing is the judge hasn't decided on that motion. He hasn't said yes or no to it. 
The trial kept going. It's with the uh, jury now, and they are deliberating on it and presumably going to come up with a decision sometime in the not-so-distant future. Now, we don't know what that decision is going to be because we've got a bunch of Wisconsin folks on the jury, and we know there are some good people, and we know there are some really fucked-up people in Wisconsin. We don't know how this is going to go. The whole thing is very simple. The kid went from uh, from Illinois to uh, Wisconsin, had an AR-15, shot some people. Everybody says this poor kid was just uh, defending himself. Well, the kid shouldn't have been there in the fucking first place. Secondly, we know that he shot one of these people while they were face down on the ground. Hardly a situation where you're defending yourself. This guy has been a racist piece of shit. He, there's pictures of him with a t-shirt that's a free as fuck because he's basically thumbing his nose at the whole trial and the whole uh, arrest He also had a picture with him showing the white supremacy sign, the OK sign. This guy's an animal. I don't care if he was 17 or 18 or whatever. He is a piece of shit. And if you let him out, it will happen again because that's who he is, especially if you don't hold him accountable. It's as much as giving him permission to take a gun into another group of people and shoot more people. The only thing that I... (laughs) I told somebody the other day, I said, okay, you want to let them off? If I'm the prosecution, I would say, okay, you can let them off. But you got to drop them off in South Chicago, the south side of Chicago, and let them get home on his own. See, that's the thing. And that's the thing I'm concerned about with this whole Kyle Rittenhouse and the uh, three shooters that killed Ahmad Aubrey, that trial is with the jury in deliberation, too. I said this before in the other podcast. I'm going to say it again because I think it's important. If Kyle Rittenhouse and these three guys get convicted, there's a distinct possibility of violence because we know the white supremacists, the Oath Keepers, the Republicans, the Trumplicans are going to be angry about it. And we know they have occasion to be violent in the first place. So there's definitely a possibility of violence if these kids are convicted. But if they are not convicted, there's a potential for violence. We've got the liberals, the Black Lives Matter, or whoever else is, is arguing about this. They're not necessarily violent by nature. But if you think you've been cheated and you think people are getting away with nothing, with no kind of accountability, um, then there's a possibility they're going to get angry. They're going to feel like nothing is fair and nothing's going to get done, and they're going to get angry about it. So there's a potential for violence on both sides. Here's the one thing about the Kyle Rittenhouse thing that troubles me the most. We know this judge for Kyle Rittenhouse is biased. He's likely a racist. He's obviously a Trumplican, and he's siding with Kyle Rittenhouse. Remember, I told you there was a motion to for a mistrial with prejudice, which means that would basically let Kyle Rittenhouse, Kyle Rittenhouse off free and clear. Now, he hasn't decided on that motion yet. 
And here's the thing. He's perfectly in his legal rights to decide on that motion after the verdict is decided. So imagine this. The verdict comes in. The jury says, yes, he is guilty of murder. Then the judge theoretically can stand up and say, well, I'm going to decide on that motion of mistrial with prejudice, and I'm going to agree to it. I'm going to allow it. So here's Kyle Rittenhouse gets convicted, but this judge said, no, we're going to let him off. What do you think that's going to do to the people who think justice has been subverted here? They are going to be angry. And I hope against hope there is no violence either way it goes. But this thing with the Kyle Rittenhouse thing, it has set up written all over it. The fact that he hasn't decided on this mistrial yet is unprecedented and disturbing. The fact that he can decide it and change the verdict by way of his own volition after the fact is fucking scary. I mean, it subverts the whole judicial system, but somehow he can legally do it. So we need to watch this very closely. And if you're in Wisconsin in the Kenosha area or you're in Georgia where this other trial's going on or anywhere in the country, we've seen with the George Floyd thing, this can spread all over the country very quickly. It can become violent very quickly. You need to be careful. And if you're upset about the verdict, the ultimate verdict in either of these trials, try to remain calm. The violence, the writing, the rioting, do no good for anybody, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. It's not going to do any good. You're right, there are some things we need to do, but rioting and violence is not going to accomplish anything, nothing at all. It's not going to fix it. It's not going to change it. We have to come up with some other ways to deal with that situation. So these two trials, Kyle Rittenhouse and the uh, Ahmed Aubrey trial, We should be seeing some verdicts here soon, and it could get messy. So be careful, be aware of that, and uh, we'll just watch and see what happens. I wanted to bring up a couple of other things that uh, I find disturbing. First of all, Matt Gates. We're still waiting to see what's going to happen to him with his sex trafficking charges, among other things. People are keep ask me, what's up with Matt Gates? When is this going to happen? Well, if you, if you hadn't heard, I'll, I'll let you know what is happening. His buddy, Joel Greenberg, who is definitely going to jail, was giving information on Matt Gates and some other members of the Republican Party in Florida. Now, when it came time to get him sentenced, He started playing the game that said, hey, I got more information. Give me some more time before I get sentenced so I can give you all the information. So they delayed it three, four, five months, something like that. And it's, you know, it's kind of disappointing. Here's a guy that's done crimes, a lot of crimes. He's going to do a lot of time. But he keeps saying, I've got more information to give you. And for whatever reason, the the, uh, court's, 
and the prosecution are allowing him to do it. You can only imagine that he has some serious information. And I got to think it's more than Matt Gates. It could be DeSantis. It could be some of the other people in Florida. Marco Rubio. I, who knows? Who knows? But it has to be valuable and good if the court and if the prosecution is willing to wait to get it all. But that's not really what I was going to talk about. You see, Matt Gates is still yapping his mouth. You would think when you're in as much trouble as Matt Gates, you'd shut up and just kind of stay under the wire. Not Matt Gates, that dumb fuck. He, might, he probably figures he's done anyway. He's just going to get crazy and say whatever. And frankly, that's what Republicans do. They never acknowledge when they're wrong, even if it's proven they're wrong. They just double down and get louder. Well, Matt Gates had some comments about the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. Of course, he thinks Kyle Rittenhouse is being persecuted. He thinks Kyle Rittenhouse is perfectly innocent, that he did the right thing. So Matt Gates, I don't know if it's in jest or if he was serious about it. He said, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse might be a good candidate for a congressional intern. You know, he's 18. He's a kid. Can you imagine that? He gets off this deal. Matt Gates hires him as an intern for Congress or gets him hired as an intern for Congress. Talk about fucking disrespectful and embarrassing. Now, Matt Gates doesn't come through with anything he says, so it probably wouldn't happen. But the audacity to stand in front of a press corps and say that shit, that's exactly who Matt Gates is. He is a piece of shit. And uh, I am looking forward to him being taken down. And frankly, I'm getting tired of waiting. But uh, you can't hurry it. There's reasons for it, and I hope they're good reasons. Now, of course, Michael Flynn has been in the news as of late. You know, the interesting thing about Michael Flynn is he was a respected general for some time. For a short period of time, he was head of the National Security, the National Security Advisor, in fact. But then, of course, we found he was corroborating with the Russians illegally. He was prosecuted, he was convicted, and then he was let go by Donald Trump. Now, you tell me Donald Trump doesn't have any connection to the Russians? Well, then tell me why he let Michael Flynn off after being convicted of consorting with the the Russians. Of course, Donald Trump has connections with the Russians. That goes without saying. Donald Trump was elected in 2016 because of the Russians. The Russians tried to get him elected in 2020, and they fucking failed. Donald Trump failed, only because Donald Trump is a fucking failure. So, um, (laughs) Michael Flynn said this. He said, if America is one nation under God, we need one religion in this country. That's fucking stupid. What about the separation of church and state? Our religion shouldn't be influencing our government. That's what our forefathers put it out as. They they uh, didn't want that combination. They knew the troubles when organized religion came into play 
in politics. They specifically did what they could to separate that. But now, Michael Flynn says, one nation under God, that's who we are. We need one religion in this country. Well, what the fuck religion are you talking about? The evangelicals, Catholics, Lutherans, Mormons? What do you think? What are you saying? The fact of the matter is this country has a lot of people of a lot of religions, a lot of people that don't have religion. This isn't about religion when we're talking about our government. It should be separated. But, of course, Michael Flynn says otherwise. Here's another guy that should be in jail, but he's not. Thank you, Donald Trump. Now, there was another another general who was a retired general. He is a general of note. He's respected. His name is General Mark Hurtling. He says Michael Flynn is an embarrassment to this country. Oh, no shit. Michael Flynn's an embarrassment? He's a convicted felon, pardoned by uh, a criminal president. And now he's spewing shit that's anti-Constitution, anti-anything you can possibly imagine in this country. And people are sitting and listening to this fucking idiot. It's hard to imagine. I don't know what's going to happen to Michael Flynn, but something needs to happen. Keep in mind, his brother who is a four-star general, is still in the Pentagon, which is frightening in its own right. It's There are so many things that we need to fix in this country, it's going to be impossible to take care of them all. But we do need to start holding people accountable and taking people down. In my mind, what we really need to do is somehow take Donald Trump out of the mix. Take him out of the narrative. Him yapping and ranting and raving and doing the things he says he, he says all the time is just stirring the pot, causing the Republicans to act foolish and act unconstitutional. And they do it because they think Donald Trump can bring them votes, not because they think it's right or they feel comfortable doing it, but because they think as long as they're on Donald Trump's side, they're going to get elected. Says a lot about Republicans. They're more concerned about being reelected and maintaining or regaining power than they are serving the country, serving the people of this country and protecting the Constitution, which is the very fucking oath they all took when they came in. But the oath be damned, let's go for power. That's who the Republicans are. That's how they act. And that has to be stopped in this country, or this country is in a lot of trouble. Now, there's uh, one other story I wanted to talk about. I don't know a lot about it, but it's intriguing, um, and it's a little frightening. And it's not in this country. It's in China. There was a um, well-known, highly rated Chinese female tennis star, Peng Shui. Now, I don't know that much about tennis. I don't know that much about China. But I know China is not a great place to live if you're speaking out against the government. They're not like America. They will just disappear people that that they don't like or speak out against them. Now, the interesting thing about this Peng Shui, she is a female tennis star. She's about 35 years old. She's been around for quite a while and been very successful. At one point, rated number one in the world and obviously highly rated in China. 
And I don't know if she tweeted this out or Instagram or just came out with a press release. I don't know what it was. But at one point, she accused a Chinese official of sexual assault, that she was attacked and raped by this Chinese official. Surprisingly, Peng Shui disappeared. She's gone. No one knows where she is. Isn't that unusual? Isn't that coincidental? Then if you went to the internet and put in Peng Shui, you would find, and you're in China, you would find that every essence of her on the internet wiped away, as if she never, ever existed. So you see what I mean? The Chinese are good at disappearing people that are working against their country, at least they think are working against their country. Well, the heat started to come down on the Chinese government, so you know what happens? All of a sudden, this crazy email comes through, presumably from Peng Shui, and he says, Hey, I'm not missing. I'm fine. I wish the best for Chinese tennis. Don't worry about me. Well, that didn't ease anybody's mind. In fact, it caused more concern because it was such a fucking stupid play. No one can see Peng Shui. No one's seen her for a long time, but this amazingly cheerful email comes out and says, oh, I'm good, everything's great with China, everything's great with tennis. In spite of the fact the only thing she's sent out prior to that was accusing the Chinese official of sexually abusing her, attacking her. That's what we need to understand when we're dealing with China or Russia. It's not like being in America. You speak up, speak out against your government, you can disappear, you can die. That's the kind of climate you have in those countries. Now, we're not quite at that point in this country, but if things keep going the same way and we keep going toward authoritarianism or fascism, that kind of thing is going to happen. I mean, we see what they're doing with the elections. We don't like the elections if they turn out the way we don't like them. And if we lose, then we just say we won. That's just a step before you just start grabbing people off the street and making them disappear because you don't like them. That's not what this country is about. It never has been that. And if we're headed that way, we better wake the fuck up and change it quickly. It's kind of like what I was talking about with the Kyle Rittenhouse and the three guys in Georgia that killed Ahmed Aubrey. The moment people start feeling helpless and start feeling like there is no justice and that they're losing their country, the very thing that the Republicans screamed about, the liberals and the Democrats, will be scared too. And that's the unfortunate thing about this country. Everything in this country is about fear. They're afraid of the Republicans. They're afraid of the Democrats. They're afraid of the Chinese. They're afraid of the, the Russians. Everybody's afraid. And whenever you have fear going on, you can end up with a shit show. I mean, let's be honest, that's the case with cops and uh, people of color that are being pulled over by cops. In both situations, when that happens, we have two people that are in fear. People start reacting instead of thinking, and that's when the tragedies happen. People die, people get killed, people disappear. 
This kind of stuff happens on a regular basis in China and Russia. It's happening more frequently than we like in the United States, but we still have some time to save it. But we need to do something about it. We actually need to make an effort to save it. We need to cut down the rhetoric from the Republican side because they've literally just given up on democracy. They've embraced authoritarianism, and that's what they're going to go with because they think they can win with that. And unfortunately, there's a large group of people in this country that either don't get it or don't care or do like the idea of authoritarianism and fascism. There was a lot of people in Germany that loved the idea of authoritarianism and fascism when Hitler came in. They were worried. They were scared. And so when he took over, they did whatever they could to keep themselves safe, and that was by siding with the Nazis. And people will say, you can't compare the Nazis to the Republicans. The fuck I can't, because they're using the same rule book to do the same things that happened in Germany back in the 40s. If you think I'm sounding a little, I don't know, dramatic or a little crazy for saying that, well, maybe I am. But when we're at this point, this is the time we need to look at it because it doesn't take much to get rolled over and caught up in it until it's too late. And we are at that point right now. It's a difficult point in this country. We as a people have to take action, take a stand, and stop this shit because uh, we're in a troubled state in this country right at this point. So I'm hoping that somehow, some way, they find this Chinese tennis player, Peng Shui. But my bet is they'll never find her. They'll never find her. She's probably dead because she had the audacity to speak out against the Chinese government. We can't afford to have that kind of thing happen in this country. We're not there yet, but we're headed down the wrong path. So we got to get back on the right path and stop this shit. All right, I'm going to wrap things up for another Rational Boomer podcast. You have questions, comments, complaints, recipes, I don't care. Send me an email at therationalboomer at gmail.com. Rationalboomer at gmail.com. You can email me directly or go to anchor.fm. Find the Rational Boomer podcast. Leave me a voicemail message. I always love hearing from you. All right, we're going to uh, get going. And we'll be back again tomorrow with more on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time. Next time.